Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got Graham. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackey. I've gotten in many of uh, arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry Connie Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's up? Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Salerson, and also alongside me today is uh, David Wesley, a TV analyst for the New Orleans Pelicans. And uh, David, we've had your your partners on the last couple days, Jen Hale on Monday and uh, Joel uh, yesterday. So uh, you're here to finish it off for the tel- for the television crew. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'm making my 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 uh, making my showing, but an unofficial Wesley yeah. Wednesday. So. I'm ready to go, though. Let's do this thing. Yeah, again, we were supposed to be on hiatus, but this week there's so much stuff going on with the Pelicans, with the uh, uh, Alvin Gentry press conference. We have the draft now tomorrow. And so, uh, David, you had a chance to interview Alvin yesterday, which will, you'll see on pelicans.com. Um, how was it? I mean, when's the last time you talked to Alvin besides yesterday? Well, you know, uh, because we play him every year, right. and he, you know, he was with the Clippers, and then he gets to Golden State, he wins the championship, so – you know, after games and before games, I get a chance to, to chat him up a little bit. So it's good to see him. Uh, he's one of those guys that's just just fun, you know, mm-hmm. great personality, people person. So uh, when when I see him, always good conversation. And, you know, I'm glad he got a, got this opportunity to be a head coach for the Pelicans. We'll get into more about uh, David and Alvin um, here in our next segment. But I also got to ask, since I haven't talked to you in so long, what, do you, what are you doing during the offseason? Just a lot of golf, I, I assume? Yes, uh, that's that's what I do mostly. Uh, I try to get out there uh, each and every day. Uh, you know, I have my boy Will Lowry in the building as well uh, that, that really hits the ball really well. So uh, he gave me a little golf lesson, which I needed okay. yesterday. Um, he's telling me some stuff that, that doesn't that don't quite make sense to me right now, but I'm trying to add it in and, and become a better golfer, better swing, better contact, that kind of stuff. But other than that, you know, it's family time. And uh, I just got done doing my basketball camp in Longview, Texas, uh, big success, and yeah, yeah. Uh, now I'm back. I'm headed to South Carolina to see my mom. You know, just small trips, that kind of thing. You going golfing after this too? I am. <laughs> I am. You. You are. I'm holding you back. <laughs> yes, you. You are holding me back. The last two days, the interview with 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 Coach Alvin Gentry uh, didn't go off as scheduled, so I hung around here for about three or four hours, and then uh, we went out and just hit some balls because the rain has been yeah looming the last few days, so we haven't really got a good round in, but. Uh, yes, as soon as we get done, I'm out. All right, well, I won't keep you too long, but we do have a good show with David today. Um, we'll talk 
with him about Alvin Gentry. Alvin was here in the 0304 season when David was here. We'll get his thoughts maybe a little bit on free agency, a little bit about the draft, and then we'll uh, get your questions. We opened up the Twitter mailbag for you this morning um, using at uh, Black Blue Report. We had some interesting questions. We'll go through <laughs> some of those, and then we'll get David out of here, and we'll get you out of here and get you ready for the draft tomorrow. So when we come back, more of David next on the Black and Blue Report. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Pelicans fans, be sure to download the team's official app so you can play our new game, Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Help Pierre the Pelicans save the coast in this infinite flying adventure. Save as many miles of the coast as you can before the water rises. This fun, interactive game includes a basketball bonus round and educational facts about the environment provided by the Audubon Nature Institute. Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Available only on the Pelicans app. Download it today. At Smoothie King, we're so much more than just fruit and a blender. Because each and every Smoothie King smoothie is blended for a purpose. Whether you want to make it one more mile or simply make it through the day, we have a smoothie just for that. Bring us your purpose and we'll blend it. Looking to purify your diet? Hurry in now and try our new nutty super grain vegan smoothie. Made with almond milk, Sun Warrior protein, super grains, and a peanut taste you'll go nutty for. Only at Smoothie King, proud supporter of the New Orleans Pelicans. Smoothies with a purpose. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. It's Wesley Wednesday on the Black and Blue Report. We continue with David Wesley on this Wesley Wednesday. David, I wanted to start here with uh, Alvin Gentry. As you mentioned, you did play for him 03-04 season with the Hornets. What was it like playing for Gentry? He was the assistant coach at the time, but what was he like? Is he kind of the same person as he is now? He, he, does, he does seem to, and, and I haven't been – in the day-to-day with right. him, but but his personality hasn't changed. Uh, guy that's fun to be around. He knows how to keep it light. Uh, I've even heard that he, he might even put speakers in the, the practice gym mm-hmm. so that they can practice to, to music, which is always a nice, uh, you know, a nice change for, for guys. Uh, you know, a lot of colleges are doing it. I played the music when I was in, in college, so um, it's fun. It keeps it light, but He's also a guy who knows how to flip that switch. When it's time for business, he tells you like it is, uh, pretty direct and forward. So, um, you know, I always enjoyed being around him when, when he was an assistant coach, and, um, you know, it was, it, it was a good year for us. How many coaches let you guys listen to music as far when you were in the NBA? Was there any of them that let you listen to music during, after, before, as far as while on the court? Zero. Zero? That I can think of. But, you know, maybe, maybe my last year in Cleveland, maybe – and that was under Mike Brown, but I can't – I don't remember it to the point where I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that was great. We got to listen to music, and this is fun and light. We, everybody pretty much – no music, just practice. Are players looking for that kind of coach? I'm, I was trying to – I know Alvin Gentry's labeled as a player's coach. I didn't know if that was even – still exists as far as players want to only play for certain coaches that you kind of go with the player's sense of style. Is that still – something that's happened these days and that was was that something that was a part of your style and culture back when you're playing well you know I, I always thought 
you know, guys that have played in this league, they get it. And they, they, they understand the grind. They understand the day-to-day. And, and they tend to kind of cater. And I don't want to say cater because mm-hmm. it sounds soft. But right. they, you know, practice cadence might be a little different. Rest time might be a little different. Injury understanding, is it might be a little different. So um, a player's coach, and I always thought Paul Silas was that kind mm-hmm. of guy. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys who – he could lift you up. He can give you that extra energy, you know, the way he talked and the way he delivered his message. And I always enjoyed playing for him. And then you say somebody like a Jeff Van Gundy, not so much a player's coach, right. but he he got the message across and, and he knew how to deliver it. And, and you know, those are two of the, my more favorite coaches that I've played for. And, um, you know, I don't know how much that is now. And, right. I, and I think Alvin Gentry would probably fall into that player's coach, even though he didn't play. Uh, he played at Appalachian State, Appalachian, Appalachian. Appalachian State. Uh, and, uh, you know, he played point guard. So he can relate to the game, uh, and he's been around the NBA game for a long time. So I, I think the players are going to love and enjoy to play for him. Was that important to you um, as far as a player, as far as a coach, um, having that experience playing in the league? Because I know some coaches are, didn't even have any basketball playing experience. You have Eric Spolscher who started as a video intern, moved all the way up to his coach. Was having a coach that had a lot of basketball experience, or at least had some, was that important to you? I think knowledge of the game is, is what's important. If you know what you're talking about, you do your homework, you can develop into a great coach, and, and it's how you deliver your message is everybody on the same page? Can you rally the troops? Van Gundy didn't play in this league, and like I said, he's one of my favorite coaches. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't as it wasn't that important, but you quickly understand what coaches have that ability to reach their players, have the discipline, the consistency that 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 you can relate to. Uh, I also played for Tim Floyd, which Alvin Gentry was on that staff, right. and I think sometimes he missed that mm-hmm. and. Uh, therefore, there was some problems at, at times with players and, and, and things that um, that question his consistency or you know his discipline, and uh, and I think that 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 ends up being the difference. What characteristics did you look for in a coach when you were playing? Well, being direct. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of times you know you have those coaches that use those broad statements. We need to rebound. Yeah, yeah, we do need to rebound, but. That guy right there, yeah. point him out. He yeah. specifically needs a rebound. I'm six feet tall. He's six seven. We had the same amount of rebounds. So I rebounded. Don't tell me we need to rebound. If we need to take care of the basketball, yeah, as a team, we need to take care of the b- basketball. But if I have seven turnovers, call me out. You know, everybody's not missing shots. Everybody's not doing the same thing. If you want a certain thing, sometimes I think calling the person out individually, selfish play, not hustling. I think sometimes you have to – and you don't have to do it in front of guys. Right. But call them, pull them aside and say, I need more out of you. I need you to handle the ball better or take care of the basketball better. And uh, I thought Jeff Van Gundy did that as, better, as well as any coach that I played for from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times the superstars, you know, you shy away from right. – that's when you start using we. Mm-hmm. But that 12th guy, now you start pointing him out. Jeff Van Gundy was pretty much consistent over the whole group. All right, now, I think I've asked everyone about Alvin Gentry in his offense, but I haven't talked to you about it yet. Um, what do you like about the offense, and how do you like it as far as fitting in with our core players right now? 
It's an offense that I, I see a lot of people wanting to play in. Uh, you know, when I watched him coach in Phoenix, up-tempo, fast-flowing, um, qu quick shots but good shots. Mm -hmm. uh, you look at Golden State, while they shot quick, they shot early in the shot clock, uh, they pushed the ball. They were the most efficient offensive team right. in the league, which is which is rare. You run that fast, take that many shots, and you're still efficient, shooting a good percentage. So, you know, for him to bring that to this team who has a lot of offensive talent, guys that can play multiple positions, uh, Anthony Davis on the back end of finishing things and, and taking care of uh, things around the rim, I think this is going to be a great thing for this team, and, and I think they're going to all enjoy this season uh, to the point where, you know, you can see them having a lot of success. Does the defense concern you a little bit? I know people have said that Gentry's not a defensive-minded coach, which is okay when you outscore your opponents. Um, he also brought in some assistants, Darren Ehrman and Robert Pack. Is the defense going to be based on getting stops as far as transition, or um, how do you think the defense will be run? Well, I, I think, first of all, Gentry, while not being considered a defensive coach, yeah. He has been around a team, again, Golden State, that found a way to do both. Yeah. So when their jump shots weren't falling, they were still uh, one or two in, in, in defensive efficiency. So that's going to be important. Hey, this is what we need to do. This is what uh, I've my history tells me. Um, you know, then you got the uh, – then you just have to put it out there on the floor. I think their defense will be good. I mean, they're coming off of – a coach that was uh, defensive-minded in Monty Williams. So it's not like they're going to throw all those principles out the way. They understand where they're supposed to be. So I think if they can marry the two together, they can be successful. I asked Alvin this yesterday, and I think we touched on it as far as having Ehrman and Pack and then Kevin Hansen and Fred Vincent back. How important was it for you as a player, and how important is it now to have the right assistant coaches along with that head coach? Well, they sometimes are the ones that pull you aside. They're the mm -hmm. ones that, that – that make sure in film breakdown that you're understanding your rotations, your offense, and things like that. It's good to have the, uh, you know, Ehrman and, and Pat come in and, and give you that new flavor. But it's also nice to have uh, Hanson and, and uh, Vincent. Fred Vincent yeah. back as well, familiar faces that you can already relate to. So it's good to have a nice mix and, and find a way to – um, to to get everybody on the same page, so uh, I like uh, the the mix they have, and and I think it's I, man, I'm excited. I think it's going to be a great year. Yeah, I'm very excited as well. And free agency starts July first. We have the draft that starts tomorrow. I kind of want you to put your GM hat on, but kind of not because I don't want to get into specifics. But as far as what the Pelicans could be looking for come July 1. I know not a lot of money is available for this team, but what could they go after as far as free agency? What either positions or what type of player, especially with a new head coach and a new system? Well, I, I think, you know, not knowing what, what Oshik's situation is, uh, you know, maybe you start looking for a big, uh, a versatile big. Um, you, you definitely want somebody with size in the paint, so that Anthony Davis doesn't have to play center. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he can play it for uh, some possessions, short amounts of time, but right. you don't want a steady diet of, of Anthony Davis getting in there, beat up, uh, getting in foul trouble, 
trying to guard these bigger guys. Uh, I think it's funny how fans talk a lot about, well, we should just go get Cousins or we should just go get – these guys aren't necessarily available like that where you can just go get right. or you don't have the money necessarily to go get at this point. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what, what uh, the Pelicans do, 56 pick. Do they trade it? Do they package it? Do they – you know, do they find a way to get higher in the draft and, and maybe find a steal? But, um, you know, I, I'm not very good with the draft because I don't really like the draft, mm-hmm. so to speak. I think these players coming out, they're coming out younger, uh, more inexperienced, more immature. And, you, I mean, it's like, you know, you don't know what you're getting. Right. You know, you don't know how they're going to, to develop or, or understand – life now that you know they don't have to go to school they got to do real life stuff how are they going to understand that and still come to work and perform like they're supposed to what do you not like about it the fact that you can the one and dones or just that you seem players are more immature coming out is that the biggest factor yeah i think so you know they're coming out so much they're so young that that you develop them for three or four years now they're out of the rookie deal now they're going somewhere else you just paid to develop these players and you just don't know. I, I, I keep talking about Anthony Bennett, who comes out early and not ready, doesn't really have a true position, and he struggled. And this 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 league can be kind of a, a dog. Mm-hmm. You know, you either play or you don't. Right. You either develop or you don't. And if he stays his four years, which now is seems almost taboo, you stay four years, you obviously can't play. Um Maybe if he stays four years, now he's developed other things. By the time he gets to his senior year, he's playing on the perimeter. He has a perimeter game. Uh, he's comfortable out there. He can put the ball on the floor, three, four, five dribbles. He's worked on guarding guys on the perimeter, uh, whereas right now he hasn't. He sat on the bench. He's not really developing that much. So uh, it's just, I don't know. I, I, if, if I, unless you have like a guaranteed number one pick, you know, one through five, yes. After that, mm, it's a gamble. Do you think the rookie pay scale and stuff like that has a lot to do with now why a lot of these guys are going pro? Because now they can get projected what they're projected where they're going to go and how much money they can make, and it's all guaranteed money. So you think that's probably the biggest factor of why? And then plus the higher risk of getting hurt if they go back to college and then not getting that guaranteed money, is that the biggest factor why you see all these players going out so early? I definitely think so. You know, if you have an opportunity to make millions of dollars, right. how do you tell, uh, you know, a young kid that, you know, regardless of background, right. I can go out here and I can make a million dollars or $2 million or whatever the case may be. Uh, we go to school to, to have that education to make more money. Or you can work at, you know, a fast food restaurant for – you know, without going to going to or finishing your degree right. or, or even going to high school. So we, we get more education so we can get better jobs and better careers. Well, what happens if you've already developed enough to get drafted in the NBA or baseball or football? Why don't why wouldn't you if you have that opportunity? It's just unfortunate that after three years with no education now, now what? Right. You know, uh, do you grind it out, grind it out for the next 10 years? And then you have no experience. It, you know, it starts getting hard. And, and you know, it, I think I have mixed emotions about the whole coming out early. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I can't, I can't knock a guy from coming out making right. a living. And what about speaking of your process, what was your process like afterwards as far as 
once the draft goes by and the undrafted free agents? Because, you know, you see guys like you that can make it in this league without being drafted. What is that process like for you once the draft is over? Do you get calls right away? We want to buy you the camp, summer league, tryouts? Is that really right when the draft's over, phone starts lighting up? Well, to some degree, because right. all those guys know who they're looking at. My, I was, I was fortunate enough to um, – I can't – I'll think of his name in a minute. But I was fortunate enough, I went to Baylor. The GM at the time was a was a Baylor guy. Mm -hmm. So he had his eye on me. Uh, and shortly after the draft, he gave me a call. I go into camp. He, you know, get all the explanation. I, I work out for a little bit. Then we go to the summer league, and I feel like I'm really playing well. Then camp starts, uh, and I'm feeling like I'm playing well in camp. Uh, and I really thought that I might have a chance to make that team. I didn't. Day before the season starts, I get cut. Um, and after that, and I can't remember if it was before I got cut or right after I got cut, the CBA draft happened. Yeah. Um, you know, I was the first pick in that. So then I go down to Wichita Falls, play for the Texans mm -hmm. for a year, and the whole year I'm watching guys get called up, and I'm saying – Man, I, I I roasted him. I yeah. Why am I? Where's my call up? Uh -huh. But I didn't understand that when you when you work out with a team, you go to camp with a team. If a guy gets hurt on that team, that's when you get your call up mm. for the most part. And it didn't really happen that way for me. Played a full season, probably a full season that I needed. And then I came out of that. Uh, played in Venezuela. Tried out with uh, with the Clippers. And Jersey, made the Jersey team, and then I was pretty much on my way. Now, I wasn't going to end this segment, but you made me think of another question. As far as the draft, two rounds, D-League teams, not every team has their own affiliate. Is there a possibility, or do you think this there's a chance, or would you want this, each team getting their own D-League team and also expanding the draft to a few more rounds and then gets all these players more development, whether the D-League gets a little bigger, um, each team basically has a farm team. Would you be up for that? Do you think it's a good idea? Do you think it will ever happen like that? I, I think it's a great idea. I think every team should have their their own D-League team. Mm -hmm. But I also think that there should be a marriage between them, not right. just over here. These guys are doing one thing. And, you know, I think if you're going to develop players, we'll develop coaches, front office, Make sure that everybody is kind of on the same page so that you're running the same offense as, as the right. NBA team. And, and, and therefore, when you uh, come up for that 10-day, you're not really learning. Right. You're just trying to figure out your players and getting timing and, and, and that kind of thing. So I think there has to be more of a marriage between the, the NBA and the D-League mm -hmm. affiliates so that uh, everybody kind of gets a, gets a taste, you know, a coach, uh, a, a front office guy. And, you know, I think that would be better, and I think that would be helpful for the league. Plus a different way to rehab from injuries. If guys are not absolutely ready to come back, you throw them down to your D league and play them for game two, see yeah. how they go, and then they're ready to get called up. And certainly, and and when I'm talking about that marriage, that, that way the NBA team knows exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and, and and that way they can send a guy down. They You know, they have a good communication. Send mm -hmm. the guy down, get him back, bring other guys up. So, uh, I think that would be great, kind of like a, kind of like baseball. You know, yep. they have their system, and I think it would work well in basketball too. Do you see it happening anytime, or is it just? I, mean, I know it's tough, but it seems like more teams are starting to get a D League team. But will it ever get to the point of each team having one of their own? I, I think 
I think it'll get closer. Mm-hmm. I don't know if every team will ever because you know you start looking at the surrounding areas. Right? Do does every team have a surrounding area that they can put a D League yeah. team that they can? And I'm sure it doesn't have to be in the same city or same state, right. but close enough where there is kind of a tie between them. Uh, do they have that kind of area that can be support that right. can support Facility, a D League team? Stuff like that. Exactly. So. Um, so I don't think every team, but I think we'll get closer right. to the most teams. Basically, like, like a Baton Rouge would be able to right. house a New Orleans team, but there's not a lot of – I get it. Yeah. Good stuff there. So I kept David a little long. I'll keep him for one more <laughs> segment. We'll open up the Twitter mailbag, and uh, we'll get going with that next on the Black and Blue Report. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion. It's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. At Smoothie King, we're so much more than just fruit and a blender. Because each and every Smoothie King smoothie is blended for a purpose. Whether you want to make it one more mile or simply make it through the day, we have a smoothie just for that. Bring us your purpose and we'll blend it. Looking to purify your diet? Hurry in now and try our new Nutty Super Grain Vegan Smoothie. Made with almond milk, Sun Warrior Protein, Super Grains, and a peanut taste you'll go nutty for. Only at Smoothie King, proud supporter of the New Orleans Pelicans. Smoothies with a purpose. Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get texts with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelican Mobile Alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Guess what day it is? Hump day? Well, yeah, and it's Wesley Wednesday on the Black and Blue Report. All right, as promised, it's time to answer some of the fans' questions in our Twitter mailbag. Thank you very much for tweeting us at Black Blue Report. You can also tweet David at Senior David Wesley 4. So uh, tweet him anytime you want. Yes. I can just say that, right? Yeah, you can <laughs> tweet me anytime. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll respond most of the time. Unless he's playing golf. Yeah, unless I'm playing golf. All right, the first one. Um, wait, wait, wait. Unless I'm playing golf with Will Lowry from the big break. Okay, that wasn't planned or anything to put that in there. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do have Will Lowry from the big break in here, too. We, yeah. it's, a, it's a celebrity sighting here yeah, in Studio it's, B. It's big time in Studio B. <laughs> there, you know the saying, you never know who will stop by, and I did not know that Will Lowry from the big break would stop by today. So uh, <laughs> dreams do come true on this Wednesday. <laughs> Let's start with the Twitter mailbag. I apologize if I butcher any of the names here. Oh, I'm sorry, Lou. <laughs> Lou Schumann, our director of broadcast, is in here too. But you're already known as a celebrity, though, so I see you every day. <laughs> Again, if I apologize if I uh, do not pronounce these Twitter names right, but uh, let's start with Darth uh, Danjuis. Um, he is, what was your first impression of Alvin Gentry and his staff so far? I know we talked about that uh, a little bit, and I don't even know if his staff is officially complete. Um but what do you think of – what are your first impressions of Alvin Gentry and his staff so far? Well, you know, I, um, I do know 
Robert Pack. I mm-hmm. played with Robert Pack, and uh, and so you know I know what he brings. You know he he has that toughness. He still works out religiously, which is kudos to him. <laughs> uh, and you know Alvin obviously as an assistant coach, I know him. So I pretty much know most of the staff, uh, and I, I think they're gonna they're gonna be good together. You know it it all come out, you know when practice starts and games start. Um, but my first impression is a good one. I, I think they're going to be okay. For those who don't really know a lot about Robert Pack, is he an assistant coach that focuses a lot on the guards? Is that what his primary focus is for this team? Yeah, you know, he but he'll get in there, he, he work on their post ups, work on their you know attacking the basket mm-hmm. kind of things, and and uh, you know then you got Vincent who is more you know kind of the shooting guy, and and uh, you know I'm sure they'll all get into the pick and roll and and creating and, and things like that defensive stuff. So. Uh, you know they got they got some good guys on the staff. All right, another tweet from Yes Three Sir. Um, who were your three favorite teammates? Um, and, and all these guys that I'm that I'm talking about are, are they're they're good teammates because they they had fun and um, and they were all about the team. I, you know, I played with Dikembe in Houston, Dikembe Mutombo. I played with um, uh, Brad Miller from Charlotte to New Orleans. Uh, another really good teammate, mm-hmm. and uh, Vladi Divac, who I played in with Charlotte as well. Uh, those guys are just, you know, great guys off the top of my head that I always enjoyed laughing and joking, uh, spending time with, going to eat with, hanging out with. So uh, off the top of my head, the three that come to mind are those three guys. Did you ever see Vladi becoming an executive? You know, he's with the with the Kings right now. Did ever- I, I, I didn't. Uh, you know, and it was good to see him out on the court. We we sat and we talked for for a long time, uh, and I got a chance to meet the owners because they were there for that that whole presentation. So, um, you know, it's good to see him. I, I never saw it, saw it in a million years. I didn't even know if he would hang around uh, the NBA when he when he left. But um, it was good to see, and I'm and I'm glad he got the position. Not a fun time for him right now, stuff going on in Sacramento. We're not going to get into that, <laughs> but uh, not really good right now for the Kings. Um, Matumbo, how many – did he block a lot of your shots in practice? <laughs> or were you able to get it around him? Uh, you know, it, it was towards the end of Dikembe's years, uh, you know, and I never – you know, people ask me that a lot. Like, did he block? Did you get your shot blocked? I couldn't tell you even ballpark how many times that happens. Mm-hmm. And I tell people the only reason you don't get your shot blocked is because you're sitting on the bench. So, yes, I got my shot mm-hmm. blocked. I got my ankles broke. I got crossed over. I got, you know, dunked on. All those things happen if you're in an NBA game. It looks like he still has it based on that Geico commercial where he swats a cereal <laughs> out of that yeah, guy's yeah. head. <laughs> he may still have it. Yeah. All right, this one is from Woodson3. This is a little out of the blue, but I don't know. Maybe you denied him an autograph. But why do you hate signing golf balls? Which is which is a weird thing because I, I feel like only a few people know that. Uh, and I almost want to say that the question is coming from somebody I know. Mm. Uh, but golf balls are very small. And they yeah. have dimples on it. They're not the easiest thing to sign. And if if let's say you're at a golf tournament and everybody brings you a golf ball, it takes a whole lot longer. You don't get to kind of flow with your autograph. And so how do you, you really can't even fit any it. of your signature in there? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you get real small. Yeah. It doesn't really look like it. It's really kind of, uh, I think it's pointless. And so if somebody comes up and asks me for an autograph on a golf ball, I'll sign their scorecard, mm-hmm. which is obviously a lot more room. 
Um, unless it's inappropriate, don't answer it. But what is the craziest? Have you been asked to sign? What is the craziest thing you've signed? And have you been asked to sign body parts and babies and <laughs> things like that? Yeah, I you know people will have you sign body parts, uh, some uh, inappropriate body parts. Uh, that's the craziest thing. And and sometimes even crazier than asking me to sign those body parts might be where they're asking me, like mm-hmm. in an arena full of people. <laughs> so um, it, it's one of those things that, you know, you use your best judgment and you're like, no, or uh, especially especially like some kids will come up and say, sign my arm. No. Some kids will ask me to sign their clothes. The only time I sign clothes is if their parents are standing right there, they spent their money on those clothes, I'm not going to ruin them with my autograph sitting at home with them. Have people asked you to sign a jersey, but it wasn't even your jersey? Yes. I've, I've signed – I've signed jerseys that weren't mine, pictures that weren't mine, uh, cards that aren't mine. Teams you haven't played for? Teams, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, even like, you know, because sometimes they have those generic uh, poster board or whatever mm-hmm. of a team, and I'll walk by and, uh, you know, sign this. And I'm like, you know, I don't play for your team. Yeah. I don't care. Just sign it. All right. And I do. I remember one time last year we looked on eBay, see how many of your cards are up there. We saw a good 20 or 30. Yeah, I was kind of excited, you know, because some you know, were a little pricey. Some were a little pricey, and I, and I can appreciate that. I, you know, I always say my, my autograph goes for about a nickel, and it, it proved to be wrong. I, I, got, a little, I got, got a few dollars out there. Was this the first door you've signed in Studio B? First door you've ever signed? Um, no, you know, I, I actually, even before I signed that one, where I, where I take my dogs to the vet, uh, they have, you know, a, Celebrity door? Celebrity door, player door, whatever. So I went back in the kennel, and they had the little door, and so I signed that. So I've, I've signed a few doors, a few walls. Uh, they stole you know. that from us. Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> you're the trendsetter. Exactly. <laughs> and one more from LAHTYY9. Do you think the Pelicans will make a trade during the draft? I Put on your crystal ball. Do you see something, a trade happening? They made a trade the last couple of years. Right. I, yeah, I, I, I do. I, I, I think it's, it's possible. I, I think with the 56th pick, um, you're not really looking for anything dynamic, but somebody else might uh, value that 56th pick. And um, so, I, you know, I think anything is possible when you can take a player and a, um, and a pick, package it up, send it over i i think it's very possible so um and of course i I, i'm saying this off of just guessing right i don't know don't don't tweet me anything bad (laughs) well well i know also some people say oh we can tweet this person this person to get into early first round what one what does it take to get into the early first round it's going to take a couple big pieces like core guys is it more realistic if the Pelicans are making a deal that they would go late in the first round for a team that maybe doesn't even want their pick in the first place and package our second round pick well, first of all, you know, you get with Alvin Gentry and you get with Dale and you, and you say, okay, this is where we're going. So mm-hmm. they're going to sit down and figure out what path they want to go, what pieces make sense to, to Alvin Gentry moving forward. So he's going to say, I like these seven guys, these five, you know, we could, we could probably do something with. To get higher in those rounds, like you said, it's going to take significant pieces. Well, which pieces are you willing to lose? Right. And you know, that uh, that again, this is the style I want to run. This is the this is the thing I the, the players I want. I'm willing to lose this piece. What are we getting back? And all those things uh, play a part. You're talking to several teams that 
they have to be willing to give you the pieces yeah. you want. So It takes two teams to make a trade. Exactly. And, and so when people are just matter-of-fact about trades and signing guys, it's, it's really not that easy. And then, of course, the money has to match right. and, uh, to a certain um, percentage. And uh, deals can be kind of hard. Um, but, you know, I'm sure if the, if the right thing comes yeah. along, they'll make the trade. You want to keep all your good guys, but then you want to get these other guys. Right. But you're going to have to trade some of them if you want to get these people. And then also you want to get these certain positions that are already pretty much filled in on this team. So I would think it uh, should be interesting come tomorrow night. And uh, appreciate all your tweets to at Black Blue Report and at Senior David Wesley. And, uh, David, I appreciate you stopping by. We have one more segment. But one we're, more. We're going to wrap things up uh, coming up next on the Black and Blue Report. Last year, over 400,000 people from 90 countries and all 50 states came to Auctioner to find the critical care they needed. People who could have gone anywhere made Auctioner their destination for a level of expertise, clinical research, and treatment options they couldn't find anywhere else. Auctioner and our affiliated physicians are renowned for leading-edge cardiovascular care, cancer care, pediatric care, innovative treatment of neurological disorders, and more. Our outstanding transplant program has resulted in Auctioner leading the nation in successful liver transplants for years. And today, Auctioner is partnering with physicians and strong community hospitals throughout the Gulf South to bring access to the highest quality of care closer to home. Find the care you need today. Call 866-AUCTIONER for a same-day appointment. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. All right, well, that will do it on this Wednesday, the last Wesley Wednesday for a while, but good news. We'll bring him back once the show comes back from the hiatus. I know David is excited about that, and uh, it's going to come soon enough. October is going to be here. It, it gets here. I mean, the summer's almost already gone, so, yeah, it, it it's going to get here quickly. I'm going to put you on the spot. Are you going to watch the draft tomorrow night? I am not going to watch the draft tomorrow night. I, well, I won't watch. I'll probably record it and, and follow on Twitter know. a little bit. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I'll know what's going on, but I won't sit there and watch sixty picks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it bugs you as much as it bugs me when these reporters are tweeting out the picks before they even announce them. Does that have you noticed that in the last couple of years? Does it bother you, or you don't even? Know? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't care one way or the other. I, you know, it's like I said. I, the draft is fun for what it is, and it's changing lives for, for young players. But uh, for me, I just – and maybe because I didn't get drafted. Maybe I'm like, eh, whatever. So okay. I, You're protesting. <laughs> no, I'm not really <laughs> – no. like I said, I'll probably record it and go back and see, you know, who the picks were but yeah. or just look up online who, who got picked. So, I don't know. All right. So, don't bother Dave with any draft discussion <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. Thank you to David Wesley. Uh, tomorrow we will have full coverage of the draft. Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com will be on, and we'll have uh, a national guest from NBA.com and NBA TV to preview the draft. And then Friday, Sean Kelly will be back in the house. We'll recap the draft, and we'll have, also have Sekou Smith from NBA TV. So we'll wrap up the week with lots of Pelicans talk, and who knows what will happen come tomorrow. David, appreciate it again, and uh, enjoy the golf with yeah. Will. Thanks for having me. I'm about to go win some more. All right, until tomorrow, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow.
Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.